up? It's ARW Raw, and I'm here today with, you know who, my boyfriend, Jordan Saria Aura. Woo! What's up? Hey, thank you so much for having me on this. You've been killing it lately, so, you know, I, I find it great that you managed to squeeze me in on your busy schedule. I know that you, know, you have, like, another 60 people in front of me, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you gave me the Disney Fast Pass for this. Of course, my love. I'm so glad to have you on the show. For everyone who does not know, my boyfriend, Jordan, is a 27-year-old actor and artist, and make sure to go check out his IMDb to see what he's been on, most notably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Tarantino's movie Hello, and his music, which was featured by Gary V on TikTok most recently. Check him out, Jordan Saria Oram, and check out our Instagram together, The Hollywood Power Couple. If you don't follow it already, and his Instagram, Jordan Saria Oram, you better because we pop it up! So, let's get into it, babe. Um, I don't know. It's a weird podcasting with you because we just, like, live life together, you know? Like, we're just living life. So, it's kind of crazy. Well, it's just another conversation for us, isn't it? It is. Like, we talk all day long, all night long. Like, for those of you who don't know, like, I feel like most people listening to this follow me. But, like, those of you who don't know, like, Jordan and I have been together for almost three years. And we moved in together, actually, exactly one year ago today in Hollywood, which is crazy. Mazel tov! Um, but yeah. For those who can't see, I'm dancing right now. And you guys, those of you listening, let me know if I should be starting to Doing film this floss. podcast. Doing a floss Filming right this now. podcast. I, honestly, it just seems like a headache, but you know, maybe one day we'll film this podcast when we get a studio to do that with. Um, we are just drinking some Sauvignon Blanc, just enjoying life right now. Don't get me wrong. I love to watch Trish and Ethan on Frenemies. I love to watch No Jumper. I love to listen to Drag Race podcasts, but like I'm doing that while I'm cleaning, you know, we're like organizing something or like folding my laundry like i'm not gonna like watch it you know what i mean yeah and like it's different if you're like podcast co-host like maybe we'll have our own podcast one day who knows like i would be down for that just like that would be more consistent because you and i are always here to film it but i'm always just worried about like you know having a guest from like london or like africa or like uh australia because it's like then you know you have to zoom them in and it's just like not that interesting to watch on video I mean, I guess it's more about, like, cause, you know, who who really watches, like, the video of a podcast? Like, you know, I've been taking care of our kitten Boba during her spay, and, you know, she's been getting me up at, like, 3.34 in the morning, and, you know, I have to let her into the bathroom so that she can eat and go to the bathroom and just walk around outside of the cage. That takes up, like, two and a half hours. So I'm in, I'm in there a long time. So I'm watching, or rather, I'm listening to podcasts. Like, I'm listening to Joe Rogan right now, and... Yeah, everybody can say what they want about Joe Rogan. I think he's an It's idiot. interesting to start this podcast about talking about podcasts, but I feel you. It's like, but there's just kind of a lot it. of idiots who just, like, do videos. Well, yeah, because I kind of like my podcast to be, like, a space where, like, you're listening if you're in the know. Like, this podcast isn't really for everyone. It's for, like, my fans, for the Westies. Totally. Mm. I just feel like Joe Rogan's podcast, right? Like, he's an idiot because he just becomes so mass marketable that it just, like, completely turns you off of it. Well, I mean, I don't think it's, like, turn-offable. Like, you definitely ask questions that I guess, like, the average person would think of. Like, you know, I don't understand the ins and outs of biology. You know, I still have questions on, like, I don't know, how, like, a vaccine works. I know what you're saying. It's like, just kind of, like... He's just asking the questions that, like, people don't really have a platform to ask. Ask? Sometimes they're... I hear people say there's no stupid questions. That's a lie. There are clearly stupid questions. 
It's just I feel what you're saying. How you choose to respond to it is where like are you gonna try to give a proactive response? Or are you going to try to give a berating or a belittling response? Right, totally. So, like, I feel like we need to, like, get people more into you. Like, I feel like people don't really know who you are. So it's really great that we can have you on the show. It's so weird podcasting with people in person because, as you know, like, this podcast is digitally recorded. And, um, you know, you set me up with this, like, a long time ago, the idea to be a podcaster. And I was like, you're right. Like, I do have a lot of good ideas for podcasting. So... You know, ever since we met, like, three years ago, you've told me to, like, be a personality online, go for everything, you know, do my thing. Yeah. Do the whole ARW lifestyle, you know, rap, podcasting, content creation, music videos. Entertainer. So that's kind of, like, how I got the confidence to start the podcast. And then we kind of started the podcast big time during the pandemic. So that's kind of what set this podcast apart. Everybody has time to talk. (laughs) Yeah, from from the other podcasts in the world because it's like you and I were talking about before the show, you know, like, there's just too many video podcasts. Like, it's so much better when people don't repeat their content and my fans really appreciate that I don't, like, repeat content. So it's really good to have my podcast just have a home on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor because then people can just look up ARW Raw, you know, get into each episode. I feel like it's a vibe, you know? Totally. I mean, I understand why some people do, like, the, the video versus audio because the video is sometimes, like, three or four times the length. But you have to really want it. I don't know. You don't really want it! So, as you guys know, Jordan is an entertainer, an actor, a creator, and a musician. He does a lot of different things, and he's also a realtor, so he does a lot of different things. Um, as well as a crypto investor. He, he has a lot of different hats. I am a smooth-brained ape. He is a smooth-brained ape. He does many things. And um, one of which is his acting, which I would like to talk about um, yeah. with you guys. So, you know, it's, it's exciting to have Jordan on the show. As he said, you know, I have, like, a lot of people in line to be on the show every month. The list only grows. So it's, As it should. As it should. As it should. So I would love to get into your life, you know, how you started acting, all that. It's actually really exciting, you guys, because today is the one-year anniversary of when we moved in together. Facebook just reminded me. Mazel tov. Woo! No, you but, know. No, but for real, like, this is a good day. This is awesome. We don't, if five. you guys don't know, it's a high five because it's audio. Um, but yeah, tell everyone about your background because I don't think you guys would expect Jordan's background to be what it is. You don't know that much about him so far. So take it away, babe. Um, okay, so I guess really where to start. Um, when I started professionally acting or just acting in general? Start at the beginning of your life and tell them about your life and how acting has yes. shaped it. I was born in a log cabin in 1993 on the outskirts of a small town called Norway. Stavanger, Norway. Not a town called Norway. A town called Stavanger. <laughs> um, I'm a, what's called the third culture kid. Um, most people probably haven't heard of that. I don't blame you. Mainly because everybody comes from somewhere and they've stayed in there somewhere for their whole life. What a third culture kid is... Um, it's someone that comes from a environment that is different than the environment that their parents were raised in. So for me, to contextualize it, I was born and raised in Norway. But my mom is American and my dad is South African. So both of them have very different cultural upbringings and they're raising me in a culture that is different than 
each of their culture backgrounds. So Which made Jordan very interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, I see how my mom thinks of the world from, like, the American viewpoint. I guess to say, like, the classical, like, baby boomer mid-type mindset. Explain. And then, well, I, you know, it's like the white picket fence American dream type dream that people had in the 50s, you know? Like, without getting deep into it, the American dream really isn't what it's promised to be. Um, But anyways, my dad grew up in South Africa where he grew up in apartheid South Africa. And that was, you know, growing up in an authoritarian state where there's no such thing as radios because, you know, they didn't want people hearing something that would conflict with what was the status quo. So these two culture differences are raising me in Norway, which is very, I guess to say, well, I guess they're the poster child of socialism, I guess to say. Jordan's not a socialist, but everyone wants to know. Um, I had to fire my last music producer because he actually he called that. Jordan a socialist. And he's called me some very anti-Semitic words. So, you know, we don't support him. Um, thumbs down to him. I'm not going to bring up his name in this show because he doesn't deserve it. But, you know, Jordan is from somewhere that's considered socialist. So it's very interesting because me being from America and being very Jewish and, you know, a third generation American, it's kind of different to be here versus, like, you who, like, you got your like American values I guess in quotes from your mom who lived here in like the 1940s so that's very different not the 40s the 50s but yes old 50s she is 70 years young a long time ago in a galaxy far far away but the point being is is that she grew up in an America she left America in like 91 so the America that she would talk about and the one that I would visit were two very different Americas. Because, you know, I... I don't know. It's you just, only visit, like, South Carolina to visit your cousins. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd come here every second year for, like, what, a month? Yeah, yeah I'm American really because my mom is American. Like, if you're American... I feel like I've shown you more of America than you're... <laughs> that's not true. That is true. I traveled in American pop culture. You've shown me, I guess, say what I would call (laughs) marketed advertised America. That Eagles Hotel California lyric where it's like her mind is Tiffany twisted. She got that Mercedes Benz. And it's like. America really is, like, the only country that is, like, so materialistic to the point where, like, like, driving down Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset Boulevard is probably the most dangerous thing because advertising is so prevalent. Like, in Norway, there's no such thing as billboards. Yeah, they're banned in Maryland because of people um, getting in accidents looking at them. Yeah, it's terrible. You guys know it's like the Netflix ad for Jingle Jangle. If you live in California, you saw this ad from September 2020 through literally freaking January 2021. It was was going across Sunset Boulevard with bright lights. That was flashing. That That was was flashing. It was like it was like its own traffic light, and it was like people were confused. 
people were confused and driving bad and there were so many accidents there and it's like um when i was watching this documentary on anna nicole smith i found out all photos of her were banned from norway because they caused car accidents whether it was an ad or they were looking on their phone yeah because so road safety actually matters there you know how long it takes to sexy get a girls take people's attentions away from the road well i mean it's just it america tends to like try to separate themselves from sex like in norway from sags from sags sags ways <laughs> the tiktok version but, but stop sags. interrupting from ah. from in norway sex isn't taboo like in america you could have a movie that has maybe like two curse words in a sex scene and it's considered like nc-17 right but then you could also have another one like olympus has fallen where like 60 people are killed every minute by gerard butler and it's gory and it's brutal and there's limbs PG. and guts and everything exactly it's for seven-year-olds it's like pg no wonder there's school shooters is that why people from norway love segs i mean they actually have like a is that why like you're a, a sex they have, like a, they have a herpes problem because there's so much free sex over there but that's i'd rather there be a herpes problem than a school shooting problem than an opium problem i mean that's the next thing in line in america it's yeah. like school shootings it's like opium addiction and then it's like adderall addiction and then it's like heart attacks from being fat and then it's like heart attacks from being, and then it's being <laughs> covid dumb and then there's like morbidly obese and there's like and then there's they, duis they have like over 500 applicants every season for my 600 pound life i mean that that show that show's never gonna run out of business let's just say that i'm Jesus. looking at you mcdolans because i'm about to get sued for libel oh true facts burger queen take all beetle <laughs> we're talking like tiktok milk queen unalived <laughs> wendell's chicolate chickadees <laughs> you all know what we're talking about just inject that poison into your body oh just dying so, it's because McDonald's. <laughs> we don't go to McDaniels. McDonald's. We, we don't go there, though. We didn't think of Chickadees. <laughs> because of Chickadees. Anyway, we're supposed to be talking about <laughs> acting, if I recall. Oh, this is the most I've had on this podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is how nothing gets done with us. Just that Love you, man. Love you. We're like the second couple that's like, love you, love you, at the movie theater. You know, I'll be impressed if you've made it this far through this podcast. I guess, like, to continue what Jordan was saying, you know, he can talk for hours and hours about anything. Jordan is a great salesperson and speaker and motivational coach and all of these things. So, you know, I guess to kind of fast forward through his 18 years in Norway... He went to international school, was always, like, very into basketball and very into, like, rap music and, like, acting and, like, writing music and everything. So he decided to go to California, USA, Huss, and we basically um, met because he decided to move here when he was 18, but we didn't meet until you were 24? Yeah, I moved here at 28. 11 when I was 18. Yeah, he moved over in 2011 then, to go to Cal... I guess I'll let you talk about it, going to yeah, Cal... I, I, I came to Cal Lutheran, which is up in Thousand Oaks, because that was the closest place to Los Angeles. I wanted to be, you know, in the mix. Like, I, I had had schools like Denver University give me a full ride 
but you know I, I wanted to be where all the acting was like that's what my my dream has been my whole life and he's always acted like in high school and plays like in musicals yeah I mean my first acting gig my first time really performing was in seventh grade and I did all of the the plays and the musicals and that was really fun and you know I I was never cast as like the lead so I kind of felt that as like a challenge to try to prove myself so I wanted to you know go to go to school and learn more about acting and that's what I did I went to Los Angeles and I learned acting from a guy that studied with Sanford Meisner and you know, I really, really cracked the code of, like, method acting, and it was... Jordan's a method actor, trust me, y'all. Like, I'm that person who should have been in high school drama because it probably would have, like, cooled me down. But the fact that people literally bullied me out of auditioning for the plays only, like, fired me up to become TJV and, like, pop off with my roles. So I feel you. Like, if you were always cast aside as, like, the side part or, like, the, like, you know, stagehand or, like tree number three you're gonna be like come on i want to like have my own role i mean i wasn't ever like tree number three like i was always like it's another but not like i guess someone... to say like a supporting role yeah but, like, but not i always like wanted the to be like character. the lead you were never like the lead yeah and you i always guess... like side character energy well no it's not like it's not like tree number three like i would be i'd be like, like integral to the story but i'd be more like i'd maybe have like if there was like a movie it'd be like there's 15 scenes and like I'd have like five scenes or something and you know like you're always like I don't know I guess it's like an artist who's like a perfectionist you always want to get more and like do more and like you know there would be like a saying where it's like if you're the lead actor and you mess up one page out of 90 like you did incredible but like if you're if you're doing like five pages and you messed up like half a page like you messed up like 10 percent of your performance like you just yeah suck. seriously I, I mean i didn't mean like you're tree number three i'm just saying like you kind of always felt like you weren't yeah, no, no, of as course. big and i feel like that's why you pursue yeah no no um but i just think like you kind of pursue your acting like that because you were never taken seriously like i think a lot of people like made fun of you for like being different and like it was hard for you well i mean like i got made fun of not at school it was more like so going back to growing up in Norway, is it like you know? Yeah, I, the Norwegians up, made fun of you. I grew, yeah, I grew up as an American in Norway, even though I'm I was born there. Like I was a Norwegian citizen, but like I didn't I get me some more wine while you're saying this. I didn't fit in really at all. Like, you know, I do like ice hockey and stuff, and even though I was like from there, like a lot of the people really didn't vibe with that and. Like, people That's, didn't like him because they heard his accent being different. And, like, even when I came to Norway with Jordan, like, last year, last summer in 2019, so, like, two years ago, I guess now. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, um, COVID, right? Well, we've dated for almost three years, you guys, and um, I'll get into how we met later. But I think that it's important to note that, like, when we were in Norway, you know, Jordan was very almost, like, stigmatized. Like, he would go to the stores where he used to work or he would go, like to see his friend or whatever and like they all kind of like base their society off of like what your accent is because there's a lot of foreign people in norway so it's like they well, know you're american that town they know yeah specifically Stavanger, where jordan's from like it's, obviously it's the, it's the oil capital his house is amazing his family's amazing his friends from school are amazing but like not everyone there is like it's the oil capital yeah. of the west in 2008 it was voted the european cultural capital because there's just so much history and there's just so much going on there like it's the it's the Houston of the North. Let's just put it that way. 
So you have any and every country that's involved with oil. That's like Venezuelans, that's Russians, that's Egyptians, that's Saudi Arabians, a lot of different cultures, Nigerians, all of it. And so Jordan was like always in the middle of this, and like it's really exciting because Jordan and I are working on a new television animated project that I can't really say much about yet because we're currently pitching to a lot of big companies and networks. But you know we've brought a lot of people onto the team. Yeah. Who are from Norway because Jordan met them in Norway. But like for example, like our illustrator, he's from Norway with Jordan, but he's Nigerian. Like he lived there. Yeah, we there. grew up together. Yeah, he lived there with Jordan growing up. It actually so be like, cool for this it's podcast. A lot of, I feel yeah, like. he should come on here sometime. But like, yeah, Khalif, shout out. You should come on this podcast sometime. You hit him up. He'll come on the show. Anyway, so you guys will meet him later. But basically, like, we Jordan has a lot of friends from Norway who are kind of like outside of Norwegian culture because all the people from there. Kind of hate Jordan Loki. Like when we went to the grocery store and he worked, he that he worked. When we went to no no well, no, hold on, hold on. I well, no, no, say I, that. I need to say we went to the grocery store that Jordan worked at before he moved to America and kind of was like in these Tarantino movies and stuff. The kind of the workers at the grocery store they were kind of like, oh, like Hollywood's back in town. Like they were like jealous, hate, you know. Well, I mean, it was more like, does he remember me, or do? You... I remember them, or them remember me. You know, it was stuff like that. Because, like, I worked I worked at a grocery store for, like, three years, and I remember very solid people from there. You know, like, the people that really made an initiative to, uh, you know, stand out and help me, and I would stand out and help them. You know, that's just how I am. And Jordan's just a sweet person, but, like, when I say they hate you, like, the look that the one guy gave you was like, damn, you really get, went and made it, and now you're like, let me hear <laughs> now I'm buying frozen pizza from... Jordan's too nice. He's like, I'm not going to say that they hate me. And I'm like, they hate you because you don't. They hate you because they hate you. I mean, you see, growing up in Norway as a Norwegian, but also American because I'm a dual citizen, I realized that I kind of had this special advantage that most people in Norway don't have. I have a passport to America. I could come here and... He don't have to 90 day fiance it. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, I know tons of people that, like, come here to become an artist. And, you know, this is what baffles me. Republicans are like, oh, it's so easy to come to America. Bull effing S. I will tell you what. America is the hardest effing country to come to. And it's still becoming harder and harder and harder every day and you know i got lucky because I, I i won the genetic lottery yeah jordan's 27 he's lived in norway since he was literally i mean he's lived in norway jordan's 27 he lived in norway's first 18 years and for the last nine years he's lived here so it's kind of incredible because he's been able to do that for himself and you know i i moved here with like well i mean this is my second time being in los angeles um I'm going to more count the second time is when I really moved. I moved here with $20,000. I'd worked for a bank for about a year and a half, and I'd, you know, I'd done commission. I'd managed to save twenty k, and I came here, and I'd already managed to build a professional acting career out in Norway. I'd been in movies and TV shows, and I'd pretty much understood how to market myself as an artist, so I figured, look, I have this leg up that most people don't. Like, I worked for this guy that's like the Norwegian Guy Ritchie. His name's Leon Bashir. And that guy, for example, came to Los Angeles for 18 months. From what I understand, he did, like, New York Film Academy. 
which a lot of foreigners do because that's a school that will let them get their student visa and then they get here and then they try to sell their ideas and you know most of them don't get it mainly because like you know most of them aren't gonna be selling the next marvel and like but like for example unless you're coming to america and you can like bring something that is going to be valued over a million dollars let me give an example. Then For example, at Music Swipe Weekend, I met this incredible artist named Cheryl Kay, who's from Malaysia. And she told me she auditioned for American Idol, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're not American. How did you audition? Well, she was on the 01 artist visa, which is really hard to get. Like, so hard to get. 0.0003% of people can get that. Like, when I used to work at the Producers Guild, y'all. But she's we used to Hold on. We used to review all those, and even people with Netflix you know, credits and they've worked with J-Lo and all these big people can't even get into the U.S. But Cheryl's incredible because she wrote the theme song for Crazy Rich Asians and it was a remake, but she changed the whole song up to the point where she literally got Guy Tang from from Bling Dynasty, um, Ken Jong from Community and like Hangover and stuff and all these other incredible Asian American artists to vouch for her on her visa, like Aquafina, all these people. And she got in and like, she does, she's someone who deserves to be here as a artist you know she worked really hard to get here i mean that sounds like the type of person that would get it i mean and, but it's incredible to see all the people who don't get it you know it's, it's sad to see well i mean like she's my great point, my point being is, is that like i know more people that have come here that then you know they end their school student visa and the student visa gives you a year to get hired by the field that you studied in and you know i've watched a lot of people end up working for a place for a year and then the place ultimately not give it to them. And it's not about them not wanting them. They're a good candidate. The thing is, is that it's more profitable for a company to underpay someone like that on the grounds that they're then gonna extend their visa to then cancel it at the last minute. Because it's essentially like an extension of an internship. Yeah, it is. And it's hard for people. Like, So I guess to, to talk more about Jordan's acting, like. He went to Cal Lutheran to study advertising and acting. And, you know, he has had a lot of jobs in California after he graduated, ranging from, like, working at tech companies to working at credit card companies to working at all these different places, marketing, yeah. um, advertising. But, you know, his big break was really when he got taft Harley into SAG-AFTRA in 2018 on Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, in which he was in the scene on the bus and right next to Margot Robbie in the movie theater. Um, so I guess, Jordan, like, what was that like for you? Like, because that was around when we met. Like, I guess now is a good as time as ever to explain how we met. Like, Jordan and I met on Hinge, the dating app, because we were both really just done with dating. And we were like, this is my last effort of, like, dating apps. And, like, we, like, were both telling really each other we were about Hinge. to delete dating apps. I really liked yeah, I was like, all the dating apps. It was yeah, a really good one. Like, yeah, it's because, like, you could actually find something specific that you liked about the other person rather than it just be superficial or, like, because, like, Tinder and Bumble, it's all based off of, like, you know, what the picture looks like. And that isn't grounds for someone. A photo. Like, you could be the sweetest looking face and then end up being the biggest bee next door. Right. Like, totally. And I think it's really interesting that, like, you have that lifestyle. Like, we're really humble, but you're also, like you know, trading crypto, acting, doing all these big things that people really look up to you for. I mean, you know, I guess just like, I started doing acting and I used to be the type that would be starstruck. I was either starstruck or I didn't know who they were. And it was just something that, you know, at 
first I would be starstruck, but, you know, the more you do it, the less starstruck you become. Like, the first celebrity I ever worked with, celebrities, plural, I did The Snowman in Norway as a background, and it was with Michael Fassbender, and it was with J.K. Simmons. And I remember Michael Fassbender talking to me, and I remember J.K. Simmons talking to me, and I remember being so intimidated, because I was, you know, I just graduated college. This was my first, like, production movie and it was just a buzz to be on the set and you know here's hollywood like right in front of me in norway like and i felt like also you were in a you were in a different world because of when your mom went blind like you were so stressed by that from being at home that like when you were on sets you were like well i mean like that was all that was a different time in my life i guess like it seemed like what really pushed me to go into I guess professional acting because you know there are people that are like oh I still act but they do like community theater and I'm not I don't mean to be hating on community theater because I think community theater has some of the greatest actors out there but it's more of a decision to stay within the community rather than turn it into a business a global thing so I guess to tell people a little bit more about like but like the point being is is that I didn't want to be doing acting as an art form anymore I had spent 10 years both performing and training to turn it into a business. And, you know, bomba mentality on this. You know, you do 10,000 hours, that's 10 years worth of training. And, I, you know, if you do 10,000 hours, you're able to compete professionally. So I took that mindset in going with professional gigs, and I started booking at least once a month. And, you know, I lived in Savanger, which is, I guess to say equivalent to living in San Francisco if you're in Los Angeles and I would pay for the flight to come out for the day shoot and then fly back home either that night or the next morning and you know shoot would just cover production or the shoot would just cover the plane tickets like if it was a thousand kroner I was getting paid I was maybe spending like 750 800 on the which ticket. which is crazy because like you would do so much for the opportunities and like since moving to LA, like like Jordan moved to LA, had to go back because he hurt his knee and take care of his mom when she was blind, and then come back here. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Well, I mean, like the thing is with why I really feel like was also the catalyst for the push was is that you know my mom, my mom has a degenerative eye disease which can cause her to go blind, and at that point, you know the cornea torn. Essentially, it's called lattice dystrophy, and it's like when you wear a really old pair of jeans and they start to fray and rip, that's kind of the same thing that happens with the cornea. So the cornea will rip and, you know, they either have to change it or the eye will just, you know, become dead. Um, So, you know, she went blind and they were able to save the eye for the most part, but she couldn't see. So I was pretty much helping out around home. And... You know, being there for my family as well as recovering from my knee surgery because I had a really bad skiing accident in 2014. And going to set and going to Oslo was also kind of like, I guess to say, like an escape for me. Like it gave me a day to really just like be an artist instead of being like the recovering knee surgery kid that is taking care of family, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that's something that really um, hit me when I was in Miami last weekend for Music Swipe. It really hit me that, like, 
I'm actually being freaking paid to like do what I've been wanting to do my whole life since I was like 12 or 13 writing raps in my bedroom. And it's a good feeling, right? Like, obviously, you know, you've been there doing like all my photos and videos. Like, I love you for that. Like, and all my shows, but like, this was the big one, you know, and I can't wait to take you to my show in October with that and New Year's Eve. And it's going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be so cool because, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to be recognized in a community or in an app or in a movie or whatever it is as someone who's a game changer and a leader and someone who's inspiring rather than being berated for being different or being brought down because, you know, you're you're doing your own thing and people think that's weird. It's incredible to be celebrated for that. And like, I just think it's amazing you're doing what you're doing, babe. And I'm so proud of you. And I love you so much. And like, I love you. Thank you. And you know, it's 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 a representation. It's like it's of like very incredible that you put in, and you know, there are so many people that are like, I'm an actor, I'm a musician, I'm a painter, I'm a you know, this, but I'm you guys, that. Jordan but and I put point, in work twenty four seven. But the thing is, is that like you can say you're that, but like until you're making money, and I don't mean like Brad Pitt millions on millions of dollars, twenty million dollar movie type stuff. I'm talking about you sell a painting for fifteen dollars. You made money off of your art. Yeah, and you that counts sold for something. Your art. Like there are people that make art that people look at and go, "Gross! Keep that away from me." Yeah, exactly. And it's it's incredible to be able to be part of this community, right? Where we're like living our lives, you know, just experiencing one day at a time as artists, um, living together in Hollywood in a relationship nonetheless, like met on Hinge, won our first HC movie, hit it off right then and there. Actually, it's really ironic. It's Crazy Rich Asians. Shout out to Cheryl Kay. I love you, girl. It's so great to meet you at Music Swipe Weekend. Um, so everything's kind of full circle, you know? Like, it's kind of funny to happen because it made me think back to our first date and, like, why we initially bonded because, like, you and I are both musicians and, like, music lovers as well as filmmakers and film creators and stars of our own, you know, um, right? It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to be, like, looking back at that. And it's just, like, crazy because, like, when we get married and have kids and stuff, it's, like, going to be so weird to, like, look back and be like, damn, we, like, really, like, live together and just, like, live that artist life in Hollywood. And it's, like, it's, like, worth it, honestly. Like, I, I would... Mean, I wouldn't I do would... it with anybody else because you get it. Because yeah, I've been facts. in a lot of relationships where, like... Same with you, Yeah. You're in a relationship with someone who isn't in art, and they don't really understand the complexity. Like Jordan and I have both been in these type of relationships. Yes, but because you're in this position, and I explain it, you're more able to grasp the concept of what I'm talking about than someone who just like you know works a nine to five or works weekends at a bar or you know someone that has a very yeah. steady job. And like like, to- like like for for example, I've been working a project which. I'm not allowed to tell you all about subject-wise. All I'm going to say is that they've been calling me to set as early as 4.30 in the morning. And I understand. I take care of Boba, and I do everything. And, like, there have been times where, like, Jordan doesn't doesn't understand my job. I don't understand his job. But, you know, you have to explain to each other because, look, I've acted as well as he's done musician things, but we're kind of flipped. Like, I'm more of a musician, and he's more of an actor. So it's different to understand the hours of each job. So, you know, it's been really hard for me at times to understand, like, him having to get up at 2 a.m. to go to work, like, five days in a row. But, you know, for example, on this project, which we can't talk about, um, which you guys will see at some point. We can't talk about it until it's out, but once it's out, you guys will know. Um, you know, it's really big deal, and you can't 
take that lightly and to be in a relationship with someone for almost three years and be planning on getting married and like starting a family together you really have to be serious about who that is and like Jordan, you know, he's really committed to acting. He's an incredible actor. And I honestly believe within the next 10 years, he'll win his Oscar. And, you know, I hope the same for myself with a Grammy. And he's told me multiple times he thinks I could win a Grammy. That's how life works if you're in an artist relationship. And like Jordan was saying, you know, I've been in relationships as well where the person kind of wants to attach on as a clout chaser. And, you know, for like legal reasons, I'm not going to like say their names. But, you know, a lot of guys I've been with have really abused me for my name and, and tried to milk my name, like, for, you know, tables at clubs, for concerts, for events, for influencer deals, you know. Um, as you guys know, anyone who's listening to this, you know, if you followed me since, like, I started my Snapchat in 2012, you know, like, the guys who have exploited me and used me for views and used me for clicks and used me for likes, used me for attention. And Jordan's not one of those guys because he understands the spotlight. And on one of our second or third dates, you know, this really big group of fans came up to me and they were like crying, begging for my autograph. And Jordan was like, damn, like you really have that fan base. And I'm like, yeah, can you handle that? And he was like, yeah, I can. And like a lot of people have not been able to handle my fan base, but Jordan really has. And like, it's incredible, like the way he can respond to like my fans and like we can respect each other's work boundaries. Well, cause it's, you know, we, we share a common goal. It's mutual. Yeah. And like, you know, I've had to do, cra- I've had to do crazy things before for work. Like I remember I was living in Oslo and I'd been there six months sleeping on couches and I made a decision to go back home for my birthday and I bought plane tickets to go back home for my birthday, like in a week and a half. And I go into audition for a movie and you know, it was with Leon. He, he loved me. And he cast me right then and there. And of course, the first day of shoot was my birthday. <laughs> so I couldn't go home. And, you know, I thought that was going to be the only time, but it tends to be like the, the second I want to leave Los Angeles, work pops up. I might not get work for like three months. And as soon as I try to leave, I get two or three gigs. Like when we were about to go to Norway, my agent got me an audition for Modern Family, literally like three days before we left. And like the shoot would have been the second day of being back home in Norway. And like, you know, I guess to say like, a part of my gut knew that I wouldn't get the role. So I wanted to just go in anyway and meet the casting director just because, you know, this is, this is, this industry is about relationships and it's about knowing people and like, the casting directors at Fox, for example, you go into their their audition room and they have they have like a fifteen hundred square foot room, right? And it's covered with headshots of everybody that's been in there. And they save your headshot because they're trying to find the right role for you. If you get called into one of these rooms, you did not lose. You've won. They're looking for something that fits you. They just want the 100% absolutely right role for you. Exactly. And I think that's kind of how it is, you know, like you have to work your way up in order to be able to get where you want to be in your career. And like you and I have worked that life where it's like you have to work day in and day out and see no results in order to get where you want to go. Like Jordan and I met when I was only a junior in college and it was really hard for me because, you know, I was going through a lot at the time, like with my career, with personal things, with like you know, different things I can't really talk about on the show, but, you know, he really helped me get through it, and, like, there was a point at which, like, I just, like, didn't know what I wanted to do with life, and he really encouraged me to go for music, and he's the really, um, 
cat. He's really. Let me rephrase this. He's really was the catalyst for me going after my music. Like, I remember one day we were just, like, lying in my bed, and he was like, oh, you should, like, really, like, write and record music instead of just, like, showing up at that guy's house and just, like, randomly, like, jotting stuff down and doing whatever they say. And, you know, I had my first manager at the time, um, again, who I can't mention for legal reasons. We have a lot of legal reasons on this podcast, but for legal reasons, cannot mention him. Um, it's a legal nightmare. It's a legal nightmare in my life. But yeah, you know, um, that's how it is. So basically, you know, this manager I had, he was really hard to deal with. He was always trying to tell me how I should look, how much I should weigh, what I should eat, what I should wear, what I should do this, how I should talk, you know, what, what I look like, everything, everything about, just imagine anything about me, you know, any personality traits, anything. He basically tried to wash that out of me as like a cult. As, like, he was the cult leader and I was just, like, the cult member and I was just, like, following him. So, like, Jordan really broke me out of that cycle and got me to fire that manager. And he really helped me see, like, that I don't need a manager and that I should manage myself until I find the right manager. And, like, who knows, maybe Jordan will manage me one day or maybe I'll find someone who actually cares about my well-being and wants to see me do well. And until then, you know, I'm the only one who can book myself or take care of myself. But he's really the one who showed me, like, what I'm doing with life. And, like, I really have to thank you a lot, babe, for, like, Teaching me how to do music and teaching me how to, like, um, accept myself. And I'm glad that you had the strength and the ability to recognize someone that was exploiting you. Like, I'll say this to you, but it's more for the people, the artists that are listening right now. There are plenty of people that will gas you up and try to get you in a position where it seems like they understand more about your career than you do. And, you know, if someone throws a contract at you that says manager, of course someone who is just starting out is going to be, oh, wow, I should have a manager. That's but what... it's not even like that. It's no, like no, but I'm not, they, they I'm, not, use... I'm, not, I'm not saying in terms of you. No, I'm no, talking I'm not about saying in general. terms of me. I'm, I'm, talking saying... About the gener- I'm talking about I know what you're saying, but I have to add something into that. You know, there's people like me who aren't naive, but then they throw in, oh, I know Chief Keefe, and oh, I used to manage Bad Baby, and all these things to lure you in, to make you think that they're connected. And they will say those things to get you to sign the dotted line. The thing is, is that unless there's someone that can tangibly bring something to you as a business, it's not worth your time. It's not. Like, take it from someone who's been through it. Like, the reason why, like, I had to adopt Boba is because I've had so much emotional distress that I physically need an emotional support animal. And it's so effed because literally so many people in my life from the past have put me in this place. And it's like, I've really grown and, like, I've really become myself and, like, like um, just learned so much about myself. But it's like, you know, you can't let someone think that you're replaceable and that they're the only thing that makes you you that's really messed up but that's that's like a control thing that's that's someone that sees you not as an artist but as a commodity commodity you're a means for their money and i don't care if you have a coke problem or whatever bro like i am not not my issue i'm not your property i'm gonna do what i do if if that doesn't work with you you could suck my eggplant emoji emoji so, you know, will you give me Boba? I want to hold Boba. I want to hold Boba. She's tired. She wants to walk around. Okay, she's going to go walk around. Yeah. You guys, Boba just got spayed. So, Jordan's been up really late at night taking care of her. And we've been playing with her during the day. But with her cone on, so it's really hard for her to, like, 
walk and all that. And it's like, but she's like, I'm gonna sit right here in the sun because I'm a cat and I love taking naps in the sun. And she always gets mad when I roll up my yoga mat, so we have to keep it laid out so she can like lay on the towel. Like if you guys could see this right now, she's literally like laying on my yoga mat, like in the sun. It's so cute. She's the mascot of this couple. She is. And, like, you guys, I love Jordan so much because he actually understands who I am. Like, he understands I have to go take two hours to get my acrylics done. He understands we gotta go do photo shoots. He understands my podcasting needs. He understands, you know, why I dress so sexy and stuff. Like, there have been with so many guys... I've been with so many guys who just, like, they try to limit that because they're like, oh, like, I can't make you look more attractive to other men. But it's like, you're not insecure about yourself and that's why you're, like, cool with me being me. I mean, I just love you being you. Like, I, love I you felt being like you. when I met you... These people, the people that throw out the contracts because it has a shiny name and it makes you feel a certain way, they want you to stay in like a state that I call the bleeding effect. And maybe there's another name for it. I haven't looked into it. Why I call it the bleeding effect is, you know, as an actor, I feel like if you're doing a role and you're doing a role for a long time, it's hard to turn it off like that jim and andy movie jim carrey played andy kaufman and he he played it so well and he played it for so long each day that when the cameras turned off he, his brain just could that's not that's like when i'm thug juby like i used to be thug juby like for those of you who don't know like this clean podcast you know so i can't say the word b but you guys know what it is tjb um thug juby i can't i couldn't be myself and jordan met me and i was like really deep in the role and like it got me really lost in myself and like it was really hard because like i had this manager like on my tail about like being tjb all the time like always getting content always being a character always doing this persona always talking in this accent he forced on me and like when i was on my mtv show okay that could fly because it's for a tv show but when the tv shows i'm filming you shouldn't make me go home and be my character that's really effed up and like Jordan was the only person who actually cared for me for, like, who I was. And, like, it was really hard for me. Well, because I, I could see that divide. I could see you playing the character, but I could also see you struggling to come to terms with the fact that, like, you know, you were living as, like, this... Meme. Yeah. Not even a caricature. A meme. Meme. Yeah. I mean, this was a really famous in the USC meme page, the GoPro thing, you know, stuff with John Lynch who killed himself, you know. All this stuff, it's really hard when someone, like, tweets about you and then kills themselves. Like, that's freaking, like, scary. And, like, when that happened, I, like, almost felt relieved because this person has taunted me for so long with memes. But at the same time, they kind of, um, you know, solidified my fame. So it's hard. I mean, that's, like... Emotionally. That's, like, some... Politician slash, like, major public figure type influence on people. Like, people... Every day, I'm sure, killed themselves because of Donald Trump or Joe Biden. You know what I mean? But, you know, you've met those people who say, oh, I love your girlfriend. I love him. You know, we were at the ASAP Rocky concert together, and this girl came up to me, and she was so hammered. And she was like, oh, my God, I go to USC. Like, I watch your story every night, and I can't sleep. And, like. And she invited you over for Mario And I was like, dude, don't talk to me. Like, celeb life, you know. But it's like. (laughs) It's like. You'd never met this person. It's like weird. It's like weird. People watch your life and stuff. And, like, Jordan, like really has seen like a lot of people be affected by my I have presence. a lot of people watch my life but they don't geek like that tell them some more about people's reactions to me that you've seen personally when we first met you thought I was exaggerating then you had the people knocking down my door and I had to hire the bodyguard um 
There's like, I guess to say like three instances that kind of stand out. Um, the first one was when we were over at USC and like a fleet of girls visiting from Seattle flocked over to you because they were like, I saw you on Snapchat and you had never met them before. And there was like 10 of them. Um, that was the first time. The next time... Well, you're, you're, you said there only three second. times. There's been like no, no, there's a tons of, times. No, no, there's tons of times. I'm just like the ones that like really stuck with me is what like... About, we were on a date and, those, of, that, and, and that couple was on their first date and they both knew of me in different ways. I mean, like that's more, <laughs> more like normal for me. I'm just like talking about like ones that really stuck out with me. Like there was that one girl that like... She knew you, and she, like, somehow found an ad through, like, Craigslist or something to be, like, not your assistant, but, like, a BTS person. And she, like, wanted to, like, she wanted you to, she wanted to officially be signed on as your photographer. So you sent her a contract, and it was like, I will deliver $100 if you give me, like, the photos, or whatever the fuck it was. Whatever the bleep it was. And... She didn't show up, but she, like, made you, like, like fill out all this stuff. And I was like, there are crazy people out there. I'm talking about the stalker and guy then, at, the, at, at the Viper Room in the Mint. I was about to get to that one. <laughs> I, if you don't know how I tell stories, I go from, like, you know, not the least important, but I build. I constantly build so that, like, you end strongest. There was a guy that, like, he was, like... 55 that found you on Insta or Facebook that was looking for a drummer for like a song and he was so adamant about talking to you that he showed up at like three different shows and instead of talking to you he would walk up to me and like his eyes would be bug-eyed and he'd be like hey I heard you need a drummer a man is incredible you're a lucky boyfriend and then he'd like walk away but we'd always see him, like, looming in the distance, like... So that's why I'd hire 40 a yards guard. away. And it's like, whoa, I'm going to carry a taser now. I'm not going to let her jump. Okay. <laughs> no, but that was, that was really scary. Like, honestly, when I hired my security guard, it was like, don't mess with me. Like, anyone who messes with me, like... Like, I'm not gonna, like, stand for that. Like, if you were going to try to, like, literally sexually assault me or, like, approach me in person and, like, I don't know you like that, like, don't speak to me. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And, like, Jordan was my first security guard, but then we hired Luis and a few other people. And, like, it's really helped me to have security and, like, be able to be feel secure when I go somewhere to perform or when I go somewhere to dinner. And, you know, I don't want, like, paparazzi or people being like that. It's hard, like, you know being like an internet celeb whatever you want to call it you know it's difficult and like you know i feel i feel like we keep skirting around the actual topic at hand which is like jordan's acting career because we're just like talking about like a bunch of random stories when we met because like this podcast is so discombobulated because we're just like vibing and like we talk like literally 24 7 so like what else can we do like you know what i mean we just talk like you know <laughs> and like you know i guess to talk about his acting like when we first met that's when he got the tarantino role Working for Tarantino is definitely a turning point for my career. Um, I assume anybody that's... Not anybody, but there are some people that are listening that are interested in being a professional actor. And for those that are, 
to join the Screen Actors Guild, you have to do a thing what's called collecting your SAG vouchers, which means you have to work three days on a professional set, a SAG set, either as three days of background or one day as principal. Now, typically what happens is, is that people work three separate gigs as background and then they can join the union. And that doesn't happen overnight. Like, some people may get, like, that in, like, a year. For someone like me, it took, like, three years. But the point being is, is that you just keep working and eventually you'll get them. But you're not going to get it every, every time you work a professional set. It's more they... For example, when Jordan and I worked on the set, I'm hot, right? But they weren't like, ooh, I like you. Let me give you the form. Like Jordan said they were with girls. They're not. It just depends on the person. Exactly. Whoever is working the contract desk is the one who chooses. The one who decides on who they're in today. Yeah, because like, what's <laughs> going to happen is, is that like, let's say you're working on like a, I don't know, a Marvel type TV show. You know, say you're working on like something like WandaVision where it's like super expensive to make. There has to be like 50 actors on set that are SAG. Which means that if there's going to be a scene that has, like, 80 actors, that means there's 50 actors that are SAG and then 30 that are not. And, you know, as soon as you start incorporating more and more and more people, the likelihood of someone not showing up exponentially increases. So there's a very good chance out of the 50 people, one person didn't show up, you know, because there was, like car crash or they overslept or you know they did too much heroin the night before and they can't wake up i don't know (laughs) i don't know the reason it could be it could be a plethora of reasons if they printed that contract and that person didn't show up they have an extra voucher so if you're cool with pro tip for everyone listening to this from hollywood yeah just like ask them if there's an extra one and then they'll give it to you but the thing is, is you have to ask and i guess that's like kind of the curse and the beauty of the American system. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. You ask, thou shalt receive. I am receive. the squeaky wheel who always You're gets the grease. the squeakiest wheel. <laughs> I grew up in a socialist country. I tend to just be quiet. Except when I want it. And when I want it, that's when it changes. And that's how I got a Taft-Hartley on Once Upon a Time, because I got two of the three vouchers from you know the the production just thinking i looked like someone like i did law and order and they thought i looked like eric menendez so i was uh a part of the lineup for them they also think you look like heath ledger which i agree with i mean that's a whole separate tangent but i i did base part of my image off of heath ledger well they don't know know. i based my image off of a few actors heath ledger being one of them tell them the others jgl and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. That's subject. That's subject to change. But <laughs> that's it was. To change it was. It was Heath Ledger for looks. It was JGL based off of roles, and it was Jake Gyllenhaal based off of being a method actor. Yep. And it that's was. I, I I took all three of those and then I packaged that together and I used that as my marketing materials. Um... Anyway, so the second voucher that I got was for This Is Us, 
I look like a football player from the 70s. And, you know, This Is Us has those, like, flashback scenes. So, I I, I, looked, I guess I looked like this guy. I never really looked yeah, him up. Yeah, multiple. Actually, you had multiple days on um, This Is Us. I mean, I also they have a lot that. of personal connection to This Is Us. But that's a whole separate story. But that's for legal reasons we also cannot speak about. <laughs> I don't think there's any... Don't I, talk about it! Fine. Um, well, I, I did... I did the day that I got the SAG card, I did less than the day that I was hired as non-union, and I worked with Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, I mean, you killed it, but then the third SAG card was on Tarantino. They were like, you want to talk to Harley? You're like, okay. Well, the thing is, is that, that was the thing. The third card was... When you, get, when you get three SAG vouchers, that means you've worked background professionally as a union worker, right? So they, they're like, we want you to work three professional days as background. But what a Taft-Hartley means is, is that you are working background and they then turn you into a principal role. So not only was the third credit... What, what, how am I trying to say this? The third credit was not only the third one that I got... It was a background being promoted to a principal role. Mm-hmm. So Tarantino saw something in me, and he wanted me to be recognized for that. Which was amazing. It didn't ultimately make the cut, because I remember when I was on set, they celebrated 900 rolls of film. And film rolls are like 45 minutes, so that meant there was like 600 hours of footage. And like... In the scene, they had me, like, walking out of the movie theater raving about the movie. A four-second clip is not going to withstand 600 hours of footage cutting. Especially a nobody in their in their eyes at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, it would have to have been, like, the luckiest cut out there. Like, even big celebrities were cut from the movie. Yeah, exactly. I forget what his name was. He was in a lot of Tarantino movies as well. He's the one who plays. Oh! He's the one that gets shot in Reservoir Dogs. Oh yeah, I, I forget, forget his name. His name. Yeah. Tim Tim Roth, something Roth. Tim... I think it's Tim Roth. Anyway, he was Tim in the movie. Oliphant. No, he was in the movie. I'm looking. No, 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 no. It was Tim Roth. Like in the credits, they're like unseen or something like that. They like had him in the movie and then they never showed him. Ah! Imagine. Imagine working on a movie like that for months. You guys, months. it's kind of weird because we have a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster in our apartment and Tarantino, like, looked at Jordan when they were doing, like, the uh, champagne with the, like, 600 hours or whatever. Oh, yeah, no, he cheers that, And he cheers at Jordan and it was kind of, like, crazy because, like, we live literally where they shot it and we have a poster and he was so vibing and he was, like, tap Hartley on the movie. Like, I feel like that movie is a vibe. And I did my senior you don't thesis know, like, on the... Manson. Oh! You want to know the biggest gas leak of it all? What? The first day of set was literally the same corner that I shot my short film, Hollywoodland. Also about Hollywood, but in the 1930s. Like, the roof that I shot that short film on, I could see it. Well, it's crazy. From, like, like... the... From the cross-section of the street. It's kind of like life is full circle, you know? Like, I remember going to Miami with my mom... When I was in sophomore year of uh, college, and that was when I first started rapping, I remember being in Miami and thinking, God, if I could perform at the Hyde SLS, I would die for that. And here I was last weekend thinking it was no big deal 
flying first class to go do it. And it's crazy because it's like, I never thought that was possible. Like, you can achieve your dreams if you really go for them. And, like, I think that's a really big message that you, like, give your fans, babe. Like, and the Westies, too. Like, you really encourage everyone to, like, do their best. What would be your, like, advice to anyone in the entertainment industry, you know, given all of your experience? And um, what do you think that people should know before they move to Hollywood um, to pursue their dreams? And what do they have to do to make it happen? The biggest piece of advice I would have to say is first, if you're doing this for the money, choose a different job. First and foremost, if you think you're going to start acting and in two years you're going to be making like $150,000, I'm sorry, but you're smoking whippets or something. Like you are not on earth. That does not happen out the gates. Granted, it does happen occasionally. I've seen people be picked up off the street because they were ballsy enough to talk to a director and they got cast in a movie. But, you know, you have to be someone special at that point. You know, you have to be like the Justin Bieber type to get picked up like that. Yeah, like it could happen, but it's more astronomical. So you really have to... You have a better chance of winning the lottery at that point. Like basically what Jordan's saying is like you have to make your opportunities for yourself... And you can't expect to make money out of it. Until well, like, I have, an, I have an agent. I have a listings company that looks for background work. For, I have people that look for work for me all the time. I'm the one that books the most amount of work for me. Like, I, as an actor, most of your job is looking for more work. That's the job. The fun part of the job is being able to actually act. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. It's not like, like you really show hard. up and you act and you get paid for it. Yes, that's a part of it, but the job is looking like, for it. It's really it. hard, and like Jordan has to look for work like every day, and it's like so stressful to him because like he's a crypto um, investor on a really large scale, so he has to wake up at really early hours to see what's going on. He has to always be on Reddit, always be on LA. Cast, it's hopeful like, that our kitten needs to go to the bathroom at four thirty in the morning, so I'm usually up just as markets are about to open. So it kind of. It's kind of made it easier getting yeah, up early. Yeah, because our kitten Boba, she's seven months old, almost eight months old, so we got her spayed. So the last two weeks we've been at home and, like, gotten no sleep because of, you know, her well, always being I mean, she's always gotten me up at 4.30 because I always hear her going to the bathroom at 4.30. And, <laughs> you know, she's, she's a kitten. She's like a child. She still hasn't mastered the art of going to the bathroom. So I have to make sure she doesn't get it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the first thing is is if you're in it for the money, choose a different job. The second thing is is don't give up. Like you can't give up because the if third you give thing, up Well, let's talk about giving up yeah, first. Like yeah, if you yeah. give up, like it's so like quick to happen. It's like boom, you gave up. Like there. It's like over. Well don't think and it's coming like, to Los Angeles you're gonna be an actor in three months. Like y'all, I've lived here literally since twenty sixteen and I only have almost twenty five thousand followers. Like if you think that like you're gonna move here and then get like millions and then become Jay Shetty and sell your books in Target about how you're an influencer, that's not gonna happen. Let alone acting, let alone singing, let alone dancing. Whatever you do that's you know, you're listening to this podcast and wonder about, you know, what can I do as a career in Hollywood? Well, I mean, like, you know, you, you have to be invested. Well, I mean, like, you have to put yourself in these circles and you have to be 
actively a part of your community. Like I am deep inside casting director communities. I'm deep inside actor communities. I'm deep inside of production communities. Like I do Zoom classes with Paul Haggis, the guy who makes James Bond movies and Clint Eastwood movies, you know? Like I get coached by John Kirby, like the guy who is like the acting coach for multiple A-list stars. You know, like you have to be a part of the community to be respected by the community. And like, that doesn't happen overnight. They're friendships. And if you can't be a friend, cause you know, it's not like you're gonna be an actor for like three years and then retire. Like that's your life. Look at Johnny Depp. Look at, actually this person's a better one. Look at Robert Downey Jr. He's been an actor since like the late 80s, early 90s. He's he had like 10 years as like the real F up type drug type dude, like the burnout type to then becoming 15 years of Iron Man. Talk about a career reshift. But that's, that's not even his full career. That's like 25 years. Like if, if we're, if we're going off of like the American dream working 40 years, he has just hit the peak of his career. And now it's just coasting of like 15 years of like dope Robert Downey Jr. stuff of like what he wants. Because he has now dictated the terms of his own career. Yeah, and like that's honestly the goal. And like to be honest, everyone listening and like to Jordan, like, you know, you can condense like 10 years of acting, like five years of being a musician, like a whole lifetime and three years of dating into a 90 minute podcast. But, you know, you can really just convey, like, the high points and the low points, like, the actual, like, takeaways from everything. And I think what Jordan's really trying to emphasize to everyone is, like, look, you you are not guaranteed anything in life. The world doesn't owe you anything. So all you can do is work as hard as you can and take every opportunity you get and live your best life. Not even in an ironic way. Like, literally just, like, live life, like, to your best degree that you can and things will work out for you if you keep connected and keep your hustle up well also that like acting is not a typical job it's not like it's not dependable you don't it's not like you show up at like a lowe's hardware store and work four days a week for twelve dollars an hour you're like oh well at least i know every week i've made thirty three hundred and fifty dollars it's like it doesn't work like that like there have been times where I will not work for four months and it will suck. And then there have been times, and I will question... times in one week. <laughs> exactly. Like, like last month, for example, I had like, what was it? Outside of COVID testing, I had nine set days. Yeah, and it's like they were all in a row and like... Look, Jordan and I motivate each other, but if you live alone, you really have to find, like, an actor community, whether it's Facebook, whether that's an acting class, whatever. Jordan and I really help motivate each other, and, like, we keep each other accountable. Like, I run this podcast every week, and that's not by mistake. That's not by surprise. It's not by coincidence. I work hard, and when he's like, look, you gotta go, like, edit your podcast, do it, you know, he encourages me and he motivates me. And, you know, it's hard when you, like, live together, you know, have segs together, all that things. You know, it's hard in life when you're, like trying to delegate everything to different like parts of your life, but you guys live together and you all, you all are doing entertainment and music. So it's really different. And like, we hold each other accountable and like something I'm working with, with Jordan, um, work, something I'm working on with Jordan is working on my new album, um, for the summer. 
And I can't even tell you guys what it's called yet. I can't even tell you guys what it's about yet. But Jordan and I are on the same wavelength. And as a musician, as a songwriter, and as an entertainer, he and I connect on that level. And, you know, you have to surround yourself with people like that who can make it happen for you and who can who can encourage you to do what you have got to do. You know, like, I'm really encouraging of Jordan to write more music, to record more music, and to remaster his last album because, unfortunately, it was not mastered to our liking. And... You know, we have a lot of really cool new people on the team, thanks to Music Swipe, thanks to a lot of networking I've done recently Can't for our team. Can't complain with that. Can't complain with that. Shout out to Wilson, shout out to Alex, shout out to Papes, shout out to Cheryl, all these people, um, you know, who I've really resonated with and have resonated with me. And, you know, it's, it's exciting. And I think that Jordan should make more music and you guys should DM me if you think the same, you know. I think I would love to see a new album from Jordan, um, especially something incorporating a lot more indie style um things like you know not necessarily rap necessarily pop i mean i'm a lo-fi i'm a lo-fi type artist i like to i like to make like what sounds like bedroom type pop which is kind of hypocritical because you're like i hate bedroom type pop (laughs) no i hate what's his name the guy that did fireflies owl city owl city oh i could go off on owl city but I you won't. Would not I will. I will. I will say this. I will say this before, whatever is said about Owl City, as an artist, I respect the hustle. They know how to get the attention. You, you would not believe your oil. You figured it out, considering your stuff is trash. <laughs> you figured it out, and I respect that. And you guys, Hermoscado is Boba's Spanish name. It means lime. Like that AMC commercial says. But Hermoscado, do you have anything to say for the podcast? And I guess the last thing I have to say for the podcast is, you know, don't make this your only job. Have something to fall back on. Like Crypto. I've always, well, I currently do day trading. You need to advise some people. I'm not giving financial advice. What I'm saying is I used to, I'm always sold things. I'm a seller at heart and I've always like worked on finding something of value. So I've sold credit cards. I've sold medical devices. I've sold bed sheets. I've sold food products. I've sold it all up until I decided I'm not going to work for other people. I'm going to sell stuff for myself. And now I buy and sell stock, cryptocurrency, and trading cards. So if you're looking for Pokemon cards of vintage quality, hit me up. I got some good stuff and babe, for you. Plug all your socials. Plug your Instagram, your Facebook page, your Twitter, your TikTok. Promote it. Okay, well, before I promote this, I'm just going to conclude. Take care of yourself because if you're not going to, no one else will. That's what got me into trading. And that's trading. what I taught you. I appreciate that. And I think that it's something that... Because I used to never really invest in, like, stock or crypto. I would always invest in myself as an actor, which, I'm not going to lie, it got me to this point. I clearly did something right. But now that I'm at this point, it's time to diversify. It's time to make a portfolio that makes sense. Like, I have stuff in commercial real estate. I have stuff in pharmaceuticals i have a ton of stuff in crypto i have stuff in space travel you know it's it's a lot of stuff um 
But the thing is, it's like you have to hold yourself accountable and you have to be the one to make sure that you don't fall into a situation that puts you into hard times because, you know, I was put into hard times. COVID was rough. I got laid off twice. I got laid off right when COVID happened and then I got laid off right when lockdown, or not lockdowns, right when the election happened. So, like, you know, nothing is guaranteed. You could work at a grocery store and the grocery store go under. So why not take the risk on yourself? Because at least you have yourself to hold yourself accountable. Not some boss that thinks that you're an a-hole because you just show up and fall asleep at the register. Like, yeah, hold yourself accountable. And, like, you guys, I'm launching my new merch soon. And, like, I'm really excited about that. Like, shout out to Christy, my branding girl. Who I work with, you know, hopefully this podcast transformed into a whole other thing. And, like, we have content running on my site every day about the podcast. We have new updates about the podcast every single week um, of the new guest. And, you know, it's incredible to be able to invest in yourself. But make sure you take care of yourself, too. Make sure that you, you know, invest in self-care, invest in stocks, invest in healthy eating, invest in a Peloton bike or a treadmill or a gym or something that can help you, like, physically. Like, a lot of people don't focus on that. You know, it's either financial goals or health. And, you know, that shouldn't be how it works. You should be able to make it happen for yourself without worrying about, will I be able to eat tomorrow? Will I be able to um, pay, you know, for my bills? All those things, you know, um, you want to make sure it happens for yourself. Like, you, you need to thank yourself for being in your own body and being able to take care of yourself. And, like, that's something my therapist taught me. Like, you have to take baths. You have to book a massage. You have to go on a vacation. You have to go to Disneyland if you want to. And you have to do your things in life that make you happy. And it's not everything needs to be financially um, viable. And not everything needs to be um, uh, splurge. You know, you can, you can meet yourself um, at the halfway point. And I think it's really important to be able to do that because... Otherwise, you're just constantly going to be living in misery and not never being at the point of where you want to be. Um, so it's really it's really hard, you guys. So make sure to hold yourself accountable and make sure to have a partner who holds you accountable. Like Jordan and I aren't only together because of like sexual or like, um, I guess, like societal reasons. Like we're together because like we connect spiritually and like I think it's really effed up how like society is all based on sex now and like. I'm not just even saying that as a Jewish person. Like, I know Jewish people are perceived as, like, non-sexual. And, like, I'm definitely a sexual person. But it really bothers me that, like, you know, people think I'm with Jordan because of his um, career. He's with me because of my career. Whatever it is. I think that everyone should be um, living their life based off of how they want to live in life. You don't have to be worrying about that. Of course not. Everybody wants to just be recognized as a person. They do. Do you want to say anything else about our relationship before we end the podcast? Just be open, be honest, communicate. Don't try to live in the past or the future because those things don't exist. That's just a state of mind. Be present and recognize when you're living in the past or the present. Or, no, 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 no. Recognize when you're in the past or the future so that your present can be more honest and open and communicative with your other. With your other? Yeah. The partner? Whether it be a he. Do you think we'll be married for like, do you, wait, at the end of this podcast, do, when do you think we'll have kids and when do you think we'll be married? When it's time.
when it's time. Do you think we'll be married for like 80 years? We'll be just at like 110. If we make it to 110, then I will be so impressed. I'll make a special headstone for it. Really? If we make it to 110, I'll blast I want you to blast me into space. Yeah! We said that at the same time. Richard Branson, I'm looking at you. Richard Branson, I'm looking at you. And honestly, like, I'm not going to lie. Jordan's been the only person really actually there for me, um, you know, throughout my life. And, like, besides my family. And, like, obviously they're, they're, like, kind of half. Like, it's, like, unconditional love. But Jordan loves me in that, like, type of way that's, like, you don't have to love me, but you do. I love you. I love you. That's, that's Boba's noise. That's Boba's love noise. Where is she? Make her make some noise into the podcast. Hey, there she is. Oh, do you want to join us on our podcast? Yeah. Is that a yes? Is that a yes? Do you have something to say to us? I'm lying next to the phone. Boba. Let's see. saying like and subscribe like and subscribe and make sure to subscribe to the hollywood power couple youtube channel the amanda rome west youtube channel as well as the jordan saria orem youtube channel if you want to be on the wave before we oscar slash grammy slash egot winning celebrities if you want to <laughs> just watch audition tapes that i've put up there that are for the public then go for it <laughs> not all of them are but enough well do you have something else to say I think she has one last word for you guys. What was that? Aww. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Let's give them a kiss. Oh, she's running away. Ah, you got me right in the eye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.